So our sermon today is going to be from Luke. Shocking, I know. Uh, Luke 11, verses 5 through 13, if you'd please rise out of honor of God's Word. I actually had a Mother's Day sermon ready, and I forgot that this Sunday was Mother's Day, and then I sent out the text, and Kirsten and I were talking about it, and she goes, I thought you were going to do a Mother's Day sermon. Oh, oops. So, we're going to be looking at Luke. Luke 11, verses 5 through 13. On page 1105 in your Black Pew Bible and 1256 in the Adventure Bible. Luke 11, verses 5 through 13. And I read in Jesus' name. And he said to them, Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me. The door is now shut. My children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks it will be opened. What father among you, if he has a son, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish, give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Let us pray. Father, as we come now to meditate on your word, to seek how to apply it to our lives. We ask that you would bless this time, that you would guide, you'd guide our thoughts. Lord, we need you. We ask you now in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So, our sermon today, it's entitled Shameless Prayer. Um, and the, the reason I use the word shameless is because most of us don't use the word impudent in our day-to-day talk. Well, Nyla Jean might, you know, talking about how impudent her children are, or whatever, maybe. But, you know, most of us don't use that. And so when we're thinking about these words, we need to think about them in, our, in the way that we talk. But before we get into that, let's look at this parable. You know, and so this, this parable comes along and Jesus is presenting it to the disciples and he's calling us to live it out. You know, think about these things yourself. If whatever situation that you would be in, think about this. And so as the parable goes on, this fella has a friend come. Well, I, you know, he has a friend come over and it's late. And he says, I need three loaves of bread. Now, I don't know about you guys, but... Uh, Believe it or not, I, I don't need to eat all the time. I like to, but is it really necessary? So this friend comes late into the evening, late at night, and he comes needing, needing bread. Well, but that's actually, at this point, is really a social nicety. It isn't a necessity. You don't need to feed someone at every point. You don't need to feed someone every time. And so as, as you pray, 
Have you ever thought, you know, I shouldn't be praying for this. I don't really need it. You guys ever thought that? I know I've thought that. And I've stopped my prayers because I don't really need this. I would like this, but I don't really need this. And so I'm not even going to pray about it. And so here Jesus presents us in this parable. It isn't about necessity. Because we as Christians have the right and we have the freedom. I'm going to um, change this order. I don't know why I put it in this order. We have the call to be impudent. Now the word impudent, actually, this, the Greek word here that we translate impudent means um, persistent and shameless. And so it's, it's not just persistence, because some translations translate this persistent prayer. So if, and the, the idea there is, if you ask enough, then you're going to get it. And that's not the parable that Jesus is telling us. Jesus isn't telling us, hey, just keep asking. You need to keep asking. And the reason that I say that is because in the next, well, when Jesus explains it and he gives the teaching, he doesn't put it in the uh, participle. He puts it in the present tense. And so it's just about asking. Ask. But it isn't about how many times you ask, and it isn't about when you ask, and it isn't about the properness of your asking. Because sometimes we'll be tempted to say, well, I, I didn't ask right. Maybe if I ask in this way, or maybe if I ask in that way, maybe if I ask at this time or at that time. And then we don't ask. Because it's not the proper asking. This idea of impudence is really an idea of shameless. It's an idea that's outside of proper bounds. Because it's not proper for me to come knocking, well, it, it might be proper for me to come knocking at the Hanson's door at, you know, 11 o'clock at night because Kathy's still awake. Um, Ken will be sleeping, though. <laughs> but it isn't, it isn't about when, it isn't about how, it's not about how many times. Those things aren't the things that matter. Be shameless. Don't worry. Jesus is telling us, don't worry about those things. And that's the battle. Because I'm asking myself, am I doing this right? Am I doing this at the right time? Am I doing this in the right way? Am I doing this right? If, if I'm asking that question, who's my hope in? Me. And that's what Satan's trying to get us to do. He wants us to trust us. Our flesh wants us to trust us. The world says, hey, you can trust yourself. That's the self-help books. If there's any silly category in this world, it's self-help. Yeah, the blind, they can lead the blind. That's a great idea. No. The battle here, the battle with our prayers, at least with my prayers, and maybe you guys don't deal with this, but I deal with this, is that I would rely on myself in some way to earn the right to pray to God, to earn the right to be answered by God by doing it right, by saying it right, by doing it enough times, by having the right emotional attitude towards it. None of those things are the things that matter. It is their shamelessness. It is your impropriety. Why was this prayer answered? Because it was the improper prayer. Think about that for a moment. That's the word impudence. It's improper. It's not at the right time. It's not at the right way. You're being annoying. And Jesus says, what happens? It gets answered. So as you're praying, here's how you fight that battle. Jesus calls me to be impudent. 
you know what, of all the things I can do in this world, I can do that. But it's not answered because of your impudence. It's not answered because you're being shameless. It's not answered because you're being persistent. It's not answered because you're being annoying. It's answered because God loves you. So why does God answer our prayers? Because of us? No, because of Him. And so He gives us commands. And He puts this in the imperative voice. So that should just answer that, right? This is an imperative. Do this. Ask. Seek. Knock. Brothers and sisters, what is God saying here? If we're coming, if we're interacting with the world and we have a desire, how many of you have any desires? How many of you have desires that you have yet to pray for? You know what? We have then interacted with those desires wrong. I'll leave my hand up. Yeah. We have interacted with those desires wrong. Because instead of me relying on hard work, planning, conniving, striving, I should be relying on God. Does that mean that I shouldn't work hard? No, because those things aren't opposite. Jesus says, ask, and it will be given to you. Does that exclude me working hard? No, because he also says, let your hands be strong. I was talking about that in Sunday school. Work hard, but don't trust your hard work. Have you guys ever worked really hard at something and not had it work out? Do you know what that teaches you? Your hard work is not God. I'm going to let that sit for a moment. You cannot trust your hard work. You need to be trusting God. Ask. Because as we ask God, God gives. Maybe God gives through our hard work. Maybe God gives in despite of our hard work. But it's God who gives. Seek. Look for it. But seek through God. What does God have to say about this? How does He want us to interact with this? As I have this desire, do I hold this desire and kind of hide it because I don't know what God's going to say about it? Seek. Knock. Because these things are in Christ. The full answer of the things that we want in this world are in Christ. Ask, seek, knock. This is imperative. This is a command. This is how you interact with the world. This is how I'm called to interact with the world. Through prayer. Prayer is supposed to be the foundation upon which I build, I, I satisfy any desire. All of these things are sanctified through the word of God and prayer. Paul tells that to Timothy, and he tells that to us. All these things are sanctified through the word of God and through prayer. So we ask God, we seek God, we knock at God's door. It's an imperative. This is how you do it. And it's present tense. You know the cool thing about present tense is it's not a continuous, doesn't need to be a continuous action. Not in the Greek. In the English more so. But, so think about it. It can be, um, iterations. So there is a, there's a way in the Greek as you interact with the present tense that it's iterative. Now, iterative means that it's something that happens. We have a leap year. So that's present tense, right? We have that. How often do we have a leap year? Once every four years. We have a leap day. How often do we have a leap day? Four times 365. 
because we have a lot of days in between. But I can put that in the present tense. Some, Linda's struggling with that right now, but that's because of COVID. It's okay. <laughs> it's math. Her math hasn't come back yet. It will. But that's present tense. Okay, so once every four days of years, I ask for this. Well, that's present tense. You know, I haven't really wanted it in between. But now I, I desire it. Now my desire is inflamed towards that. So what do I do with it? Well, I asked for it at one point. No, now you ask again. So when that desire comes, what do you do with the desire? I repress it because that's what I do with everything since I am Norwegian. <laughs> Don't laugh that hard. <laughs> no, we bring it to God. We bring it to God. God, I need this. God, I want this. God, I desire this. What do I do with my desires? I bring them to God. I ask, I seek. God, what do you say about this desire? Is this desire godly or not godly? Is this right? Is it proper? Because you know what? If God gave me a desire that wasn't good for me, would it satisfy me? No. It would make my life more miserable. And so, God, what do you say about this? We seek. We knock. Okay, God, I want this. Here it seems that it is. Will you open the door for me? Will you prevent, provide me the opportunity to have this? We knock. God, is this your will? It seems like it's your will, but I need you to open that door. I need you to make it happen. I need you. And so what do we do with our desires? We repress them, we hold them to ourselves, or do we bring them to God? That's what this is all about. This is about training our desires to look to God for satisfaction instead of looking to the things of this world. Do I look to my government or do I look to God? Do I look to medical system or do I look to God? Do I look to my hard work? Do I look to my savings account, my checking account, or do I look to God? God, I need this. I've already provided for you. Okay, well, I've got $5 in my savings account. I can use that. Do I look to God first, primarily? I trust in Him because that's what it means to have this in the imperative tense and the present, or the imperative voice and the present tense. Whenever the desire comes, we bring it to God. Well, I haven't asked enough. Well, I haven't desired it enough because it's not about enough or not enough. That's not the question. You have a desire, what do you do with it? Bring it to God. Because what's the promise? Is you bring it to God, He who asks, might receive. Right? Isn't there a might in there? Isn't there a maybe? Perhaps? Only if they do it right? No. This is an absolute promise. Okay, I have an absolute promise from God. I do not have an absolute promise from Joe Biden. Who is the better one to ask? I'm not going to make any more jokes. But this is reality. Think about this. If my hard work doesn't always give me what I want, should I be asking my hard work to give me everything that I want? My bank account sure is shooting can't give me everything I want. By the grace of God, that's a promise. That's a gift. My smoothness cannot give me everything I want. I don't know if it can give me anything. But God promises in an absolute sense. He who asks, receives. Period. He who seeks, finds. He who knocks, it will be open. That opportunity will present itself. So what are you trusting in? You can see what you trust in 
by seeing who you pray to. Am I bringing this to God or am I looking to something else to provide? That's important. Because God says, it's supposed to be to me. None of these other things are actually God. Thirdly, God teaches us about protection. Because have you guys ever, well, you've heard the joke about praying for patience, right? (laughs) Don't pray for patience, God will give you opportunity. And so as we pray, is there anything that I shouldn't actually be praying for? In reality, is there anything I shouldn't be praying for? What if I pray for something that God doesn't want me to have? Or we'll flip that on its head. What if I pray for something and God's in a bad mood? Now, we might not think that way, but people do. There's a lot of people in this world that do not trust God. And there's a lot of religions in this world that as they interact with God, so the... um, In the old days, old days, when people are cursing, they would ask gods to curse someone. And oftentimes what those curses looked like was just saying, hey, God, that's good or bad, pay attention to this person. Because when the god or when the spirit or when the demon paid attention to someone, their life went wrong. Most of the requests of gods, towards gods, was to just leave them alone. It would be great if you left me alone. That's not the way that we interact with God. And so if I ask God for something that's actually good, will he give me something that's evil? No. God doesn't do that. But also, if I ask God for something evil, will he give me something evil? No. Because God's not evil. And so this is important. If I add, um, we're told in the book of Proverbs, a curse without cause will not alight. And so you think about that. Okay, so if I asked God to curse the Eufers, I don't know why I would, but if I asked God to do that, right? I'm just making sure that Mark's awake. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> but if I asked God to do that, would God do that? That'd be an evil. No, God's not going to do that. Praise God. So I can ask God, I have the freedom to ask God for the wrong thing. Now stop and think about that for a moment. You have the freedom to ask God for the wrong thing. God, I wish Pastor Joe would be quicker. <laughs> That's the wrong prayer. No, that actually, might, that might be the right prayer. I have the freedom to ask that. I can ask God for anything knowing that He, as a good and loving Father, will not give me those things which are bad for me. Jim, do you want to say something? In Scripture, doesn't it also say, um, you know, to, to pray that Satan will have their way with someone so that God can call them back? So I think what you're referencing is 1 Corinthians, when Paul's talking about church discipline, where he says, we're going to hand them over to Satan for the destruction of their flesh, but for the salvation of their souls. And so we are asking, so that would be considered... A curse, but in the biblical sense, in the Christian sense, not like in the worldly sense where it's vengeance, but rather we want them to be changed. We want them to come into a relationship with Christ. And so if, if you're thinking about curses in that way, then that's not actually an evil. That's a discipline. God, discipline this person so that they might grow in you. You know, God, rebuke this person. God, bring, um, bring hardship upon this person that they might repent. 
But that end goal is always the good. And so is, is, a, is discipline the same thing as punishment? No, because they have different ends. So I can punish my children. What is that purpose of that punishment? Is to bring retribution, is to bring pain upon them to even some imaginary score. That's the idea of punishment. They owe a debt to society. And so then they have to go to jail. They have to, this thing has to happen to them. They owe a debt. By committing a crime, they have caused this much suffering in the world. Therefore, we have to exact that much suffering out of them in order to pay off their debt. That's the idea of punishment. It doesn't really have a lot of place in the Christian, in, in the Christian way of thinking. Discipline, on the other hand, is they are going to go through a time of hardship whether that be standing with your nose to the wall or going, you know, going on a timeout or whatever, the purpose of that is to teach them that this is unacceptable and they need to not do that anymore. It's to change behavior, not to just pay back for bad behavior. So in Christianity, a curse properly done is a curse of discipline not actually a curse of vengeance. So, good question. But that, that's how I would interact with that. Um, so, if I, even if I ask God, God, avenge me for, on this person, bring vengeance upon this person, first off, vengeance is mine, declares the Lord, so I don't have the right to do it. But God won't allow evil. He won't give me that which is bad because God cannot do evil. So, you know what? Even in that, I have the freedom to pray wrongly. God won't answer it. He won't give it. And that's important. Will God bring discipline? Well, we pray that he would. But not, vengeance comes, that's, that's in hell. That's ultimately vengeance. Or vengeance is hell. One of the two. Eh, we'll leave that behind. So how does imprecatory prayer fit into all this? Well, that would be the discipline. You know, why would we be praying that hardship would come upon this person? Why would we be praying that even that this, this person's children would be impoverished? It's so that the world learns and so that this family learns that these things fall out of order, out of God's order. Because I've been thinking about, we talked about that yesterday at men's Bible study, and so that's been rolling around in my head ever since. And it's like a tandy that I'm preaching on this because that actually means I have to get this sorted out. But, in precatory prayer as a Christian, because in precatory prayer is not a curse for vengeance. It's a curse for a relationship with God. It's actually a curse for reconciliation. So it's a good question. And we need to think about that. Otherwise, we don't know how to interact with these. But I want my children, if, if I'm doing something wrong, I would hope that I would pay the penalty for that so that they don't have to. But even so, if I refuse to they also need to learn that they can't walk in these things because it's going to separate them from God and from other humans. So may they be impoverished so that they don't become separated from God. Because I'd rather see them be impoverished than be sent to hell. Does that make sense? Okay. Um, because, how does God end this? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, 
how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? So what is the best gift? What is the greatest good? Isn't that heaven, right? Isn't that the greatest good? Well, what makes heaven, heaven? We've talked about this in confirmation. What makes heaven, heaven? It's God. It's God. So what's God saying here? I might be able to provide you with money. I might be able to provide you with lands. I might be able to provide you with health. But none of those things are ultimately good in and of themselves because they can be misused. If I'm going to give you money, I also need to give you the Holy Spirit so you know how to use it. So it doesn't become your God. So that it serves you instead of you serving it. If I'm going to give you health, I don't want that to become your God. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit too so that you actually know how to interact with your health. So that your health serves you that you might serve me. That's the purpose of our health. I might give you sickness, but I don't want you to serve that sickness. I want that sickness to serve you so that you can then greater glorify me. I might give you poverty instead of riches, but I don't want you to serve that poverty. I don't want that to become a God. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit so that you learn how to have that poverty serve you. That hardship, that difficulty, whatever that is. What is God saying here? I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. I'm going to answer your prayer, and I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is the one who's going to teach you how to interact with my answer. The Holy Spirit's going to be the one. He's the one that's going to show you how to use this right. He's actually the one that's most important here. It's all about Him. Because then, whatever prayer God answers, if He did not give us the Holy Spirit, it would become a curse to us. Think about that for a moment too. If God answered our prayers apart from the Holy Spirit, it would become a curse. Because ultimately we would end up serving it. And it would be worse for us in the end. Does God want that? No. Because believe it or not, He wants to bless, not curse. So what do we do with our desires? We bring them to God. Well, what if it's not... what? What if I'm praying wrong? What if I'm saying the wrong words? What if, what if, what if, what if? Why are you worried about that? Why are you worried about that? Don't trust yourself, trust God. And then as He answers them, He will give you the Holy Spirit that you might be able to use these rightly rather than becoming God, rather than them becoming gods. You will use them to serve God. Any questions? Any other questions? No? Believe it or not, my prayer was that my sermons would become a little bit shorter. (laughs) But let's not use that wrongly. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. I thank you for this teaching. Lord, I thank you for the simplicity of it. And I pray that I wouldn't make it confusing. Lord, but rather that we would just come to you. Lord, that we would look to you, that we would hope in you, that we would trust in you, that we would rely on you. Lord, because you are good. You are good. And so we ask ultimately, Lord, send your Holy Spirit. Because otherwise, we don't know how to work with this world. We don't know how to guide this world. 
We don't even know how to bring your gospel into this world. Lord, send your spirit upon us that we might live rightly and that we might reveal you and live in your world, but live in you no matter where we are in this world. Lord, send your spirit, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.